0: Right, so you've got to listen to me for the next half an hour, I guess. 20 minutes, half an hour. But I'm just going to check how well you were listening last week. Remember, James gave us a great message last week. Who can remember what the title was? Yes, good job, a call to action. Now, if you didn't... um, take any notes or if you can't remember, I'm actually going to recap what James uh, talked about last week because I thought it was really relevant um, to what I wanted to say, like I want to sort of follow on from that or expand on what, what he said last week. So his first point was intention, now I'm talking about staying on that path, staying on that path of action, but his first point was intention, remember that? And he said that action without intention is chaos and intention without action is useless. Both of those, that, that was pretty good, I thought, you know. That's so true. You've got, to have, you've got to move, but you've got to have an intention in that. The second point that he made was that God wants you to be the hero in your own story. Okay? Okay? And he used the verses from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, where it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. Or that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. There's that purpose. There's that intention. I do not fight like a boxer beat in the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And that was something that James said last week and I'm very conscious of as well. I don't ever want to get up here and speak to you about something that I'm not trying to put into action in my own life. So he wants us all to, we're all running a race and we're all going to win a prize. We're running to the end to, to win that prize. Um, the third point that he made was look for the next right thing God wants you to do. Okay, if you're looking for what God wants you to do, where do you think you might look? One of the places you might look. Good job. <laughs> In the Bible, yes, we're going to talk a lot about that. I remember my dad saying one time, a lot of times, he used to say, there's the good, there's the better, and there's the best. You can be going for something good, but God might have something better. And in fact, God, what he has for you, what he has planned for you, is the best, is the best thing. Point number four was get into the Bible. Find a quiet place. Now, I can't accentuate this point any more than I am right now I will be talking a bit about it as I as I go on into my um into my message but get into the bible find a quiet place if you're having it wanting to find a plan of action like I've already said you've got to get into the bible point number 5 was submit to god's authority and make some changes you know it's all about obedience In the end, and you'll hear, again, as I keep talking, in the end you'll hear that it's all about obedience and obeying God and what he wants you to do. So you've got to submit to his authority. If he's your God, then he is your authority and then, yeah, you naturally submit to it. The final point that James made was recommit the direction of your life. So recommit the direction of your life. And in that, he said, we've got to trust the size of God. Trust the size of God. He's bigger than any needs, any troubles, any failures, any enemies, or our understanding. Some of you might have heard me say this before, but if I could actually understand God, he'd only be as big as my mind, as big as the capacity of my little mind. So... I'm pretty sure I want a God who's a bit bigger than that. So it's great that I can't understand him. It's great that he's beyond everything like that. So at the beginning of this year, I took up a challenge to read the Bible in a month, okay? A lot of us take up the challenge to read a mind, read the Bible in a year. What was I thinking? <laughs> you know? <laughs> However, so far, so good. I'm on track. <laughs> Night shifts help. Sometimes I... <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but it's not, the type of reading I'm doing to read the Bible in a year, in, in a month, is not like getting poring over verses and getting meaning from my little bit and piece here. It's getting the overview of God's word. It's getting, um, like, finding the overarching themes and seeing what God, how God is working um, what his plan was from the beginning and then where his plan is going. You know, his plan from the beginning actually hasn't changed. The thing I'm noticing, I'm up to lamentations now, so I'm over halfway and I've had, you know, all the, the Pentateuch, I've had all the history books and the Psalms and the Proverbs, I've been done the major prophets and I'll be starting the minor prophets. But... God's plan from the beginning hasn't been any different. His plan was to have a relationship with us. His plan was to have a purpose for us. So first day was Genesis chapters 1 to 42. And what I learnt in that was basically we all failed miserably. We failed miserably at his initial plan, but... He is always in control. Always. Remember that. If you feel like you're failing, you're not the first person on the planet to do that. (laughs) Pretty sure everyone here, everyone who's ever lived has failed. So even when something seems impossible, I learned in these first 42 chapters that God is true to his word. The next day was Genesis chapter 43 through to Exodus chapter 20. So how we are saved is important. That's what this was about. God saving the Israelites out of Egypt was was where this was going. Um, God flexes his muscles in delivering Israel from Egypt in some of the most epic shows of power in scripture. Israel's powerful deliverance is a foretaste of God's powerful work of salvation as revealed in Christ. I remember I watched that Disney movie is it Prince of Egypt is that what it's called does anyone know there's a Disney sorry oh is that not Disney anyway it's a movie Dreamworks then I don't know the one it's an animation called Prince of Egypt and it got to that part where the the sea was parted you know the Red Sea was parted and they were all going through it's like I I was I mean I do cry in movies I was so moved by that. It's a cartoon, (laughs) but obviously it's based on fact. But when the ocean parted and the Israelites went through, I'm thinking, my goodness, I don't think, you know, like the power of that was portrayed so well. Have a look at that movie and get to that bit and think about how powerful God is. (laughs) So God just doesn't just set us free. Like he set them free. He destroys our oppressors. He leads us by day and by night. He feeds us miraculously and he heals us. So in reading this, I was reminded yet again that his standards are way higher, way higher than we can meet on our own. But that right from the start, he wanted to provide a way for us to meet him. That's why he put us in the Garden of Eden, because he wanted... To have a relationship with us. He loved us so much that he wanted to have that relationship. And we kept stuffing it up and he kept making another way. And then we kept stuffing it up and then he kept making another way. It's just what he seems to do. Then came Exodus on the third day. Exodus chapter 30 through to Leviticus chapter 27 where God shows us how holy he is. They're out in the wilderness and how high his standards are. Okay? Okay? Um, again, we don't actually get to approach God on our terms. I think too many times we want to do it our way, but God has a way. His standards are so high, we can't possibly meet them. It's about him, it's not about us. We come on his terms, not our terms. And, you know, I think especially in this day and age... We need actually reminders of this. When everyone is so self-focused, it's all about me, me, me. And uh, I think we actually need to get back to the good old days of maybe caring about other people a little more than ourselves. It's not just about me. I could keep going, but I'm hoping that you're getting the point. I'm not going to give you every day. Otherwise I'd give you 20 days of what I've read in the Bible and... (laughs) We wouldn't have time for dinner. We definitely will have time for dinner. God loves us so much and he desires a relationship with us so much that he's always making a way for us. And I've just seen this theme over and over and over again in the Bible. The thing is, though, he can't lower his standards. Do you understand that? God cannot lower his standards. He is who he is. He is God. If he lowered his standards, he wouldn't be God. He's always been trying to make ways for us to meet those standards. And then he did that in the Old Testament with the law and the sacrifices and all that sort of stuff. But knowing all along, of course he knew all along that we couldn't do it. But you know what, I guess he wanted to let us have a go and maybe figure out for ourselves that we couldn't do it. But anyway... In the end, he provided a way by sending Jesus. So how do we stay on this path of action? How do we, we get this action plan? We want to live for Jesus. We want to put things into, into, um, into practice. So once you've decided to put yourself in action, how do you stay there? I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. It's like he knows exactly what we're going through. Of course, he does. Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. So take a grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. I need to strengthen my weak knees right now. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I've often read that in my journaling over the years and I've been really down thinking, okay, you can do it. Take a grip with your tired hands, you know, get up and go. It's like when you're in a race and you think you haven't got anything left and you just put that last bit. But you know what's great about that verse? It's not just him encouraging us. It's him encouraging us so that we can encourage others. It's mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Like we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going in that path. It's not just for me, I'm not just going to keep going on that path for me, but it's it's for you. It's for everybody. It's for everyone that I come in contact with. So don't you love that inclusiveness, God's inclusiveness? He's encouraging us, but at the same time, it's so we can encourage and spur on our fellow brothers and sisters. So the first point in staying on the path, and this is probably, I was going to say the most important point, but it's they're all important, is remember that God is always faithful. Yes, that's the second one. (laughs) You know, one overarching theme with me reading the whole Bible in one month is that apart from how useless we are as humans at staying on task and staying focused is how faithful and true to his word God is. You know, we can look at some of the way he would you know, lots of slaughtering and things like that going on, but God does never God never ever veers from what He says he will do, what His Word is. It's a fantastic thing. As we always know where we stand if we just look at His Word. Sometimes it sounds so simple, it seems so simple. and it's true um, and, and that whatever we see in his word it's true. And to know that he will what he says, he says and it's, it's right. there are so, so many things in there that you won't know to be true unless you first look at them and find them. You're missing out on so much if you don't search through his word. I'm going to use an illustration that I've used many times before that doesn't get old to me. Our relationship with God is like a marriage. And a marriage is a relationship that grows over the years. You get to know each other, you spend time, you talk with one another. Imagine, imagine if I married Chris. Well, I did marry Chris, but imagine, <laughs> imagine that if when I married Chris... The only thing about our relationship was that I went to a lecture about him once a week, you know, that the only relationship that we had was that I went to this place and heard all these wonderful things about him and thought, gee, he's great. He said, I'm really glad I'm married to him. But would we have a relationship if the only thing about that was me going and hearing someone speak about him? once a week. That's not a relationship. So you might think, yeah, I go to church. I hear the great messages that, you know, that Chris and James and Graham and everyone gives and Jess next week. Fantastic. I'm excited for that. And that's great. And it's encouraging and it's good to hear if someone someone tells me something positive about Chris, that's great and it's really good and it's nice. But the only way... We can actually have a relationship is if we spend time together. How can you have a relationship with God if you don't actually spend any time with him? So he is faithful. He is faithful and true to his word. But we don't know about that unless we spend time, you know, looking in his word. David was a man after God's own heart, but he was still a human being and he still failed. You fell way short of God's standards. It's a matter of always obeying God. But you know what? If you don't read the word, how do you know what to obey? You don't know what his commands are. You don't know what he wants for you. You think you do, but most of the time you just want to do it your way, whatever feels good to you. If God's ways are a little bit hard, well, I don't really want to read that because he says I shouldn't be doing this or perhaps I should be doing that. You know, the whole sort of don't tell me about it, you know, la, 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 la. It's, um, it, it can be hard. God can be telling you that you shouldn't be doing some things and you've got to take action and not do that. You know, His word says that if you seek him, you will find him. His word also says he is good. His faithful love endures forever. His word also says the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, he's not just looking for people whose whose hearts are committed to him. He's looking for you, if your heart's committed to him, so that he can strengthen you, so that he can build you up and all that sort of stuff. So the second point, first one was remember God is always faithful. Second is never, never, never get complacent. So as far as keeping your action plan is concerned, never rest on your laurels or think that you have it all together or think that you've made it. I've been a Christian for, well, look, I'm nearly 62, so I've been a Christian for 50, whatever, I was, came on when I was was eight, What's that 54 years? (laughs) Never rest on your laurels. You've never made it. You know, you can't think, yes, I'm here that's it, I'm done, I've made it. Well, you can when you get to heaven, but, you know. um, That's the mistake that I've seen again, that so many, when I was reading through the kings, the mistake that so many of the kings made. Solomon, what a wonderful, he was the, the richest, most wise man that's ever walked the planet, but I think he just got too full of himself and thought he had it all made, and so therefore he didn't need to, you know, Seek after God anymore. David still fell a bit, you know, but he, along the way, he was seeking God, and kept looking after Him. You know, I think in the end, if you look at Ecclesiastes and Lamentations and all those sorts of things, that Solomon came to the conclusion that the only thing is that's any good is actually following God. But he had such a downfall because he started resting on his laurels. So many of the kings started out and then fell. Some of them started out evil and then in the end turned to God, which is a great thing, you know. But um, so keep on keeping on with what God has for you. Keep on keeping on. I was actually, um, now that we had a bit of rain, I I, I like my grass. Everyone at home knows I like my grass. (laughs) the lawn my lawn not the, my lawn sorry <laughs> yeah um i'm lawn proud someone says would you call yourself lawn proud i said yes i am but i think i paid good money for that lawn and i want to keep it i don't want it to die and it was pretty hard when there's been no rain for ages and ages and i had to you know try and water it and and all that sort of stuff and now I've got a bit of rain and it's looking lush and beautiful and it's growing fast because it's summer but you know what, if I just if I got the grass to that stage and thought, yeah, it's good the grass is green, I can leave it now what do you think would happen? It would overgrow or it would die you know, and that's the same thing with, with us, you can't say, yep I've made it. I'm here where God wants me. And then do nothing else. An action plan is an action plan. You just keep you keep going. You keep on finding the new best thing that God has for you to do. God has a plan and a purpose for your life that's not just a one-off thing. It's for every day that you are alive on the planet. It's not just a plan for you to become you to be saved. And I know plenty of people have come forward for prayer and things like that and they've made a commitment to Jesus. Then what happened? Then what happened? You know, I had a Sunday school teacher called Billy Weir. She was a lady who was probably in her early 60s and I would have been in primary school, which is about my age now. I thought she was old back then. Yikes. But I sporadically kept in contact with her over the years when I used to um, ring her up or pop in for a visit when I went to WA to visit my family. She was a prayer warrior and she was an encourager. Her husband had a stroke and she nursed him for about 10 years. Then in her 80s, she was still a person of refuge for those who needed help and a giver of wise words. In fact, in a letter that I received from her probably uh, about 15 years ago, which was a few years before she died, um, she said that she felt like after her husband Stan had died because she had to spend so much time looking after him that she'd done more for God in that, that five years just since he died than she had done in her previous however many years of, you know, like 75 years of life. <laughs> she didn't give up. She didn't say, I'm done now. And she could have. She'd done a lot in her life. She could have, but she kept on every day seeing what God wanted her to do, looking into his word, praying, reading, and all that sort of thing. Her home was always an o- was open as was her heart. And I know that heaven rejoiced when Billy Weir went home to be with Jesus. And I know there will be a throng of people in heaven as a direct result of her living on earth. So, one second, I've just got to see what I've actually been saying now. So never get complacent. Never think that you've made it, because you haven't. The third point is stay fit and healthy. I'm talking spiritually. And you know me, I could get on my high horse about this as well. Feed yourself every day. Fill yourself with good food. But part of a good health and fitness plan is more than just eating. It's about exercising. So you can't just come along and hear about God, even just read his word and pray. You've got to put into action. You've got to exercise your faith every day and do what God wants you to do. So this is where you go out, like I said, and put it into action and that word keeps coming up because it, but it's so true and I loved what James had to say about that last week. Go back and listen again to James's message um, on you can go on the grace page and have a listen. Um, so how many of you can tell that my love language is acts of service you know? <laughs> So again with, with that grass, I, like I said, I went out and I mowed it, and I top-dressed it, and I fertilised it, even though it was looking pretty good. But I was putting more effort into making it grow even better and thicker and and more lush. So stay fit and healthy. Stay spiritually fit and healthy by reading and praying, by spending time with people, by putting it into action. And the The second last point is become part of a team. You know, um, I always wanted to do a triathlon for a long, long time. And many of you know that that I I did. (laughs) Um, I always actually, without realising it, before triathlon was a thing, I sort of did the individual bits of it. I'd, like, run to the swimming pool in the morning. I'd swim 50 laps and I'd run home. This is before I was married. Come home. Then I'd get on my push bike and I'd ride to work. So I'd done the run, you know, the, the swim, ride, run bit. Um, or I'd stop in at the gym or something, but I, I was always wanted to do that. But um, it wasn't until I was encouraged by my, love, my friend Jenny, who's up there doing my words tonight, <laughs> with a birthday gift of a triathlon clinic when I was 45, <laughs> um, that I actually put that dream into action. We went along. And big, we began, and then that started at like a ten-year triathlon career, which uh, ended up us going with Jenny and Bill and myself going to the World Championships in London in 2013. And who would have thought? Who would have thought back then when I just used to do a bit of exercise with it and went to this little clinic and we did a mini triathlon? I think we swam 200 meters and rode about six kilometers and ran about one or something. And then we go to do half Ironmans, which is like swimming a couple of kilometres and riding 90 kilometres and then running 20 kilometres. But back when I started, back when I started, I, I wouldn't have thought that I could have done that. But by becoming a part of a team, by training with other people, by getting that encouragement, by getting people to spur you on, it made so much difference. I can't stress enough... To become part of a team. And I'm not talking necessarily about our teams, like our, I mean, you can become part of our teams, you know, the sound team, the worship team, the hospitality team, the whatever. But have a group of like minded people with you. Join a group, join a home group. If, it's, if there isn't a home group to join, make a home group so that you can be with other people who are like-minded, so that you can meet regularly, so that you can be encouraged, so that you can train together in your walk with God. And that's what we did. I mean, who would have thought, like I said, when we started on this little six-week mini triathlon women's clinic, women's triathlon clinic, that 10 years later we'd be doing half Ironmans or going to the... World Championships, it's amazing what that encouragement can do. And that's what it's like with your Christian walk. We all have times where we're not doing so well, becoming part of a team. So that brings us to the last point, which is get help for injuries. So if the worship team can probably make their way up now, as I'm just going to bring this last point, get help for injuries. When you belong to a group and you're not trying to do it on your own, Then you become close to those people, you allow your guard to go down a little bit and you can help one another. And I'm just not talking about like physical injuries, I'm talking about emotional and spiritual injuries. There's times in your life when you need help. You can't do it on your own, you need that team of people. The church is here, we do support one another. But at the same time, if you're part of a smaller group... You can really get behind one another. You can really uplift one another in prayer and um, you can pray for one another. You can help each other practically um, and that sort of thing. It's only a, a short point, but I just thought that, you know, in life, life happens, as they say. There's another saying, happens, but anyway, life happens and things don't always go the way we plan just because I am a Christian and just because I'm walking on the path that God wants me to walk doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. Bad things still happen to good people. Some people think an insurance policy for life. That's insurance policy for eternity, yes. But bad things do happen. So I want you to think about that, particularly the last point um, or the whole lot about getting serious Get serious. Put your action plan into action. Get to know this person that you have a relationship with, the one who from the beginning of time had a plan to have a relationship with you, who from the beginning of time put things into place so that you could um, have a relationship with him, so that you could spend eternity with him. Stay on the path. Don't get complacent. Get support. Join a group or make a group Fill yourself with good spiritual food. Get help for your injuries. I'm just going to pray and then we're going to sing. Heavenly Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be speaking to everyone here, Lord, that um, people will be encouraged to stay on that action plan, to stay on the path, to not get complacent, to not think they've made it, Lord. Help each one of us to seek you every day, to read your word, to pray, to meet with others, to fellowship. We thank you, God, for your plan to have a relationship with us. In Jesus' name, amen.